Hi, this is Beth AQ, and this is the podcast of The Glass House, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R each Wednesday. The Glass House is a space for spoken word artists, poets, sound makers, audio storytellers, emerging cultural leaders, thinkers, writers, and anyone who celebrates story as a means of self-expression, self-representation, and community building. I hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via Twitter at BethanyAQ or the Triple R website. Everyone in the world has gone to bed one night or another with fear or pain or loss or disappointment. And yet each of us has awakened and arisen. There is the nobleness of the human spirit. Despite it all, black and white, Asian, Spanish, Native American, pretty, plain, thin, fat, vowed or celibate, we rise. acknowledge that we broadcast on stolen unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I also acknowledge that we've just come out of Sorry Day yesterday, the 26th of May. Um, and yeah, it's really a day to pause and, and reflect on the forced removal of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people from their homes and acknowledge the ongoing injustice caused by colonisation. I pay respects to Elders past and present and extend that to any First Nations people that might be tuning in this afternoon. It always was and it always will be Aboriginal land. Coming up on the show today, I'm going to be joined by playwright and novelist Julie Jansen to talk about her new book, Benevolence. It's out through Magabala Books and it's a, it's a work of fiction historical fiction that explores early colonisation from a First Nations perspective. It's told through the perspective of a Darug woman, uh, Marangjing or Mary, uh, and it's, yeah, it's really a story about the first kind of contact of uh, British colonisation and really details quite monumentous change and also violence and, yeah, it's really a story of survival and resistance. So I'm, I'm very interested to to talk to Julie. And a little bit later on in the show, I'm going to be joined on the line by Auntie Faye Muir to discuss her brand new picture book. Uh, it is called Respect and it's the first book in a series 
uh, that's called Our Place and it's made in collaboration with Sue Lawson. They've also got some really beautiful illustrations um, that have been done by Lisa Kennedy. That one is also out through Magabala. So we're really celebrating them today, but they just have some yeah, really incredible stuff coming out. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. And I'm excited to have my first guest joining me on the line. Julie Jansen is a playwright, a novelist and an award-winning poet. Uh, she is a Baru Berongal woman of the Darug Nation of the Hawkesbury River, New South Wales. And she joins me this afternoon to talk about her new novel, Benevolence, which really shares a story of early colonisation in this country from a First Nations perspective. It is out through Magabala Books. Julie, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you. I'm very happy to be with you. Uh, so, Julie, I know that you have quite a long writing career, both as a playwright, as a poet, as a novelist. I'm interested, um, I suppose, if you can tell me a little bit about what got you ex- first excited about um, this idea for this book. Well, I, um, I was working as a researcher for the University of Sydney on a, a project called the History of Aboriginal Sydney, which was a, a, a very large website. And in the course of doing that over five years, I was interviewing a lot of elders along the Hawkesbury River to the western part of Sydney. And uh, the experience of being the first peoples to um, to have colonisation at uh, the Hawkesbury River and the Sydney area was the, were the first places that the British arrived at in Australia. And, uh, and I found out more and more about my own um, clan's history and filled in lots of gaps of stories that I knew about my great-great-grandma and my three-times-great-grandma. And by the time I'd finished working for the, the university, I thought this material, which had all gone online and it was live all over the world, I thought someone will be sitting in London and they'll read these stories and go, gee, this would make a great novel. I thought, well, I'd better get in first. <laughs> right. Well, I'm so glad did. you did. <laughs> um, I'm really interested in that research process because I can only imagine that, it, yeah, it would have taken so much deep research to be able to put together this um, this work. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that research process was really like? Well, um, we've, we're very lucky in Australia. We've got fantastic museums. You know, we've got the, the Mitchell Library. We've got um, the, the New South Wales State Archives. You've got the same down in Melbourne, wonderful archives and, and libraries. And, uh, and, and luckily, with, due to the fabulous work of librarians in protecting all this material, it's, it's all this, this, these resources, these primary sources, that they're waiting for people to dip into. So that's really where I found the stories because there were really were, uh, there were history books written uh, about... Um, in the general uh, period of invasion and the killing times in, in Australia, but but there was nothing of a historical fiction type, and we needed and I needed lots and lots of details. When you're writing a historical fiction, you need it to be vivid and believable, and so by reading those primary sources, I was able to find that. But also in my own family stories and the stories from elders who were very kind enough to share with me with the appropriate protocols. Yeah. When you say appropriate protocols, what, what is that kind of consultation process like? Well, because I was doing a large history project for the University of Sydney, it was quite, it's quite a formal protocol, which is a, it's a signed document of people um, that you interview uh, agreeing to be involved in the project. Some of them are paid, some of them are not, depending on a person's need or requirements, and uh, they get permission for that material to be used. 
and um, and it goes online and it's available to anyone in the world with a click of a mouse. Well, the idea of the, the restoration of stories and the repatriation of Indigenous knowledge in that urban setting was very, very important to a lot of elders that I spoke to, and they were really keen to be able to share. They said, I want to share these stories with my grandchildren and my children uh, before they passed away. And uh, that's... But, um, you know, it involves a great deal of respect and building up personal relationships, often over uh, two or three visits. Mm. And uh, we also did videos, and they're all available online at thehistoryofaboriginalsydney.edu.au. But the novel, the novel is different because it's, um, it's uh, historical fiction. And while it's based on the true stories of my, my, my ancestors, my great-great-grandma and my great-great-great-grandma, it's um, because I really only had a few documents and certificates and sometimes there was a missing birth certificate, you have to kind of make it up out of um, the, the thin amount of actual information that you have. So it takes a creative imagination. As you said, you kind of you know, during this process were able to learn um, a little bit more about your own kind of, I suppose, family history. I'm also interested in, you know, the way that the book incorporates lots of Darug language. I'd love to learn a little bit more about your relationship to Darug language and and how you incorporated it in the book. Yeah, well, I guess a bit of an inspiration was when I read Kate Grenfell's The Secret River, which is a marvellous book. And uh, she really didn't really have much about the Aboriginal people in the book. But when it was adapted into a, into a play by Andrew Bavell, but beautifully adapted, Andrew Bavell's a great playwright, and he worked with a man called Richard Green, who's a Darug man who I know from Redfern in Sydney. And Richard is a very competent linguist who's relearned um, the language from, from scratch, the Darug language, and he contributed a lot of Darug language to that play. But previous to that, quite a few Darug people, like myself, had been investigating the use of the language and how it could be brought back to life. And one of the ways that I like to bring language back to life, and I've done it in other novels that I've written as well, is to use it in literature and to make it part of the lexicon of people who are reading the book. And, uh, and, and it brings the language back to life. And I've also been lucky enough to witness some amazing ceremonies that have been done uh, coming from uh, um, Wallatooka, the uh, Aboriginal unit out at, um, uh, up at um, Newcastle. They do a lot of ceremonies and corroborates with men and women, which where they use the language from that area. And it's the regeneration of language, which is a very exciting part of, of this period in Australia's history. And, and also with people who don't have Aboriginal backgrounds embracing the idea of hearing those words and, and, and beginning to learn the words. Whenever I do a welcome to country, I always give people the simple, I teach them the simple greeting, which is kwai bidja, jamna, payala, yanawi, which is come here, let's all speak together. Mm. And a lot of people, a lot of people are learning those few Darug words. <laughs> I love that. I think that's wonderful. Uh, If you have just joined us, we are chatting with uh, Julie Jansen all about her new novel, uh, Benevolence. Julie, I'm wondering if you can um, tell us a little bit about some of the, the main characters in the story. Okay, well, well, my main character, I always put women um, centre stage or centre, you know, centre of a novel, make them the protagonist because... um, well, us women have got a lot of making up for the fact that so many, <laughs> so many years we've had to read about male protagonists, and uh, and they and they're the you know I like to create women characters that are very strong and resilient, and survivors, and um, also in the face of, of growing up in poverty, which in a way reflects 
you know, some of my own life and of being a single mother and not having, you know, living on wheat bix for a while. Uh, um, the idea of a, a woman struggling in the face of adversity, but 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 being successful and not being a victim, and uh, and being able to, um, you know, to to achieve a life where she manages to keep some of her children and um, have a successful life in, in in those terms. Not financially successful, always on the run, uh, never having had any land or or um, inherit anything because the land's been taken from Aboriginal people. Um, my ancestors were worked as servants uh, along the Hawkesbury River and in the western suburbs of Sydney, and um, and 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 survived, you know, well, great great grandma by marrying an ex-convict, and uh, who protected her to a certain degree. Yeah. Mm. Um, Julie, something that I really love about your work is that um, I suppose the the place feel so alive they they almost feel like characters i'm talking about the hawkesbury river um about Parramatta. i suppose can you tell us a bit about your relationship to the to the hawkesbury river well, I love the Hawkesbury River because I, I grew up on the Lane Cove River, which is, uh, uh, you know, right in the centre of Sydney, really. But when I grew up, it was all housing commission and bush. It's now a very trendy place to live, a bit like <laughs> two, two rack or something. You know, it's gone up in, up in the world since it, its early beginnings. And we spent all our time, my brothers and I, down on the river collecting oysters or catching blues from the crabs. And my dad, who was a very tall, handsome Aboriginal man, he looked like Adam Woods. He never, ever said the words, I'm an Aboriginal person. In those days, people kept these secrets from from nearly everybody for fear of losing a job or losing your family or having your kids taken away. And Dad would take us fishing up the Hawkesbury River. We'd hire an old leaky rowboat and we'd row up and we'd camp at a place called Flint and Steel and we'd camp the night in a cave and Dad would make the beds out of bracken ferns and casuarina branches and cover them with great coats for us to sleep on. And uh, I thought we had an ordinary childhood till I began to compare it to other people's childhoods as I went to university, etc. Realised that it was a very unique childhood, and but it, and I have great pride in it now. But at the time, it seemed to be a bit of a sense of embarrassment. Like my dad always had really bomb old cars, like old Buicks and things from the 1940s. And, and if he took me to school, which was very rare, I'd make him park around the back of the school so no one could see his old bomb car. <laughs> and, and and but now, you know, my dad passed away when I was only 18, and I'm. And, and I, someone once said, oh, I've read your book, Benevolence, Julian. It seems to be a longing for your, your, your missing father. And I think, well, yeah, maybe in lots of ways it is. And he used to look at the Hawkes River as we rode up at, he'd sit, look up at the, the cliffs and he'd say, up there, that's where the, where the old Aboriginal people held out. The warriors held out. They were the bravest people in the Sydney region and they held out way beyond anyone else. So he had this pride in, in these uh, old family stories. Mm. Yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit about the, the you know, the title of the book, um, Benevolence. It is, it does feel like a, quite an ironic uh, title, speaking about, I suppose, how, you know, the British came and 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 really uh, put, you know, really put things onto First Nations people and kind of cloaked it in this uh, that they're doing this like grand, nice gesture, which of course it is, it, you know, couldn't be further from the truth. Can can you tell us a little bit about, um, I suppose, your ideas around the title? Well, I think it's, it, look, any colonial invasion is complex, you know. Mm. Um, I don't like to write characters where all bad white characters and all good Aboriginal characters. That would be ridiculous because that's actually not how humanity is. But um, I did start the book with um, some scenes of Governor Lachlan Macquarie receiving the gift of a child, which is my protagonist, uh, Murraging, her name is then changed to Mary James, into the, um, into the black school, the native school out in Parramatta. It was the first native school in Australia set up in 18... Um, 17. And, uh, 
but previous to that, in 1816, Governor Lockton Macquarie had ordered troopers out to punish uh, the recalcitrant tribes of the Gundungurra people up in the mountains near Appen, and they'd massacred a whole tribe and pushed them off a cliff. Uh, but the instructions were to bring back a bag with ten heads, which was to be given to, um, to Sir Joseph Banks at the Royal Academy, and also he wanted several pretty children so that his wife could start school in Parramatta. So... You know, the idea of starting the school and scrubbing the children up and teaching them about Jesus and teaching them to read and write and how to sleep in an English bed was seen as a benevolent gesture mm. by uh, Lady Macquarie and, and Mr Macquarie. And, uh, look, Governor Macquarie's a complex character. He did lots of amazing things. He was actually very generous and kind to the Aboriginal students that he, that he, that he had anything to do with, but the foundation of the school had this kind of horrific kind of background. Mm. Interested if you see your work as almost a way to kind of write back to a lot of, I suppose, history that's been written that is not true or, you know, is misinformed. Well, I think there's many ways, you know, they talk about, you know, the, the, black, the history wars here in Australia. There are many various mm. ways of interpret, interpreting history. And, the, you know, it's a, long been an academic discussion from countries like India that suffered under um, British colonialism as well. And it was called, you know, subalternism, the subaltern rights back. In other words, the underclass rights back. And it's a bit of that kind of theory that I take on board in attempting to subvert the colonial kind of paradigm and say, well, what happened on the other side? What, what, what happened? And instead of having these mysterious black figures, you know, creeping through the bushes and throwing spears or dying valiantly or being raped and beaten, how about we actually look at how Aboriginal people did survive and what were their tactics and, 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 and how did they actually live? And I found that a much more interesting journey. And when you're actually interviewing elders who've got stories from their own parents and grandparents, and there's a truth that rings out about survival and, and strength and, um, and resistance, but one of just getting on with the job of making sure you could feed your children and you had some kind of roof over your head, even if it was just a bit of tin, and getting on with the day-to-day -day life of, of, of existing. And, and I think it's that resilience that, that made me want to write this novel. And Benevolence, of course, it's an ironic title. And also I found out that my great-great-grandma had given three children up to the Benevolence Society. And I, just, I say the word mm -hmm. given with, with tongue-in-cheek. When I actually looked at the documents, which you can actually find out at the, at the archives, it said uh, mother... Um, brought children to the Benevolent Society, mother unable to feed the children. Now, that was really the answer, that the children were starving, living along the creek, and they didn't have enough to eat, and she was faced with either letting the children die or giving them to the Benevolent Society to raise. And she kept one son, and then she married a convict, and that one son was a log splitter alongside of his father, who was an ex-convict. All of them were illiterate. In one year, that 11-year-old son was done, had died, sorry, of um, typhoid, which was taken along the, the creek, the Eastern Creek, out of Windsor, which used to be the freshwater creek that fed everyone. It was called the Mother Creek, Waiata Mata. Mm. And, uh, and instead, it was poisoned by a tannery, and, and everybody, white and black, along that creek got typhoid, and a whole lot of people died. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, benevolence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Julie, thank you so much for your time this afternoon and for yeah, creating a really incredible novel. Okay, thank you so much for interviewing me. I really appreciate it. Okay. That's Julie Jansen there, and a playwright, novelist and award-winning poet and she's just written Benevolence, which is the book that we've been talking about. It is uh, a work of historical fiction um, and, yeah, it's a really incredible 
uh, exploration into yeah what first kind of contact looked like when the British uh, came and invaded this country. Um, I highly recommend checking it out. You can pick up a copy. Uh, it's published through Magabala Books. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. You're listening to Triple R. Uh, Auntie Famio is a writer and educator and a Boon elder who is passionate about sharing stories, um, sorry, sharing First Nations culture and stories. And she's just teamed up with Sue Lawson to create a series of picture books um, as part of a series called Our Place, um, which welcome and introduce children to important elements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture. And the first picture book in the series is called Respect. Um, and I've got Auntie Faye joining me on the line now. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Beth. Um, Faye, I'd, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about uh, your background. I know that you've spent um, quite a few years working uh, at the Victorian Aboriginal Corporation for Languages as a, as a linguist, and I'd love to learn a little bit more about your background and, and how you came to writing children's books. Um, well, my background in, was in nursing. I did that for over 30 years, mm. and uh, then I went and did my um, Bachelor of Arts in Education as a mature age student, still nursing at the same time. Um, and to get into children's books is something that's always um, intrigued me because I, I love books full stop and especially kids' books. And I've been buying books for so many years, you know, for my grandchildren and nieces and nephews, and it's just something a spontaneous thing that I came up with with Sue. Um, we were sitting down, just having a chat one day, and we started talking about doing these little books. Hmm. I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. I know that, um, yeah, that this series you're collaborating with Sue Lawson. Can you, can you tell me a little bit more about, I suppose, how it came about and, and what that collaborative process looks like between you two? Um, well, it's started off with friends just uh, meeting up and then discussing, hey, let's get together and, and do some children's books and especially um, Aboriginal books for kids and also targeting the younger ones mm. as well. So that's, that's how we came about doing it, sitting around a kitchen table having a chat and a cuppa. I love that. It's where a lot of amazing ideas start. Um, so this book, uh, Respect, is the first in the Our Place series of, of four children's books. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, I suppose, about the series and, and yeah, what prompted you to do it? Um, well, it's Megabala books and, and they are um, an Aboriginal publisher in, in Broome in Western Australia and they are behind these books, getting more uh, Aboriginal authors out there to... Um, to get books out for our, our children mm. and, and not just for our kids but for all kids to, to learn about our culture and that's what it's all about, learning about our culture and how um, our families are very important to us and, uh, you know, starting off with the first one, respect how that is very important to us, respecting our elders but also respecting the land where we are and, and the, the people that live on it and the, the animals that live on it as well. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I love the, the really beautiful and kind of soft messaging that kind of comes through respect. You know, I it, it feels really heartfelt. Can Can you tell us a little bit about how, I suppose, you came to decide on the themes for each of the books? Um, well, the illustrator has done a, just a marvellous job. Her artwork is just fantastic. It has more information in it than just the words that, that are in there. Mm. They, they go together hand in hand mm. and they tell, tell a, a bigger story than just the words. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really love the illustrations. Did you have uh, much of a collaborative process with the, um, the illustrator, Lisa, or how did that work? Yes, we, we do. Um, I've worked with Lisa for quite a number of years and her art's always um, came to me as really expressing um, Aboriginal culture and, and her uh, understanding and her connection to, to culture and it's, it's come through very well with this, um, this book. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's just exceptional. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely something that I want to um, be able to give to all of the young people in my life. Uh, but, but even older people, I think there's so much to enjoy here. Like the visuals are just really evocative and, and really beautiful. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering um, if you can tell us a little bit more about the series and, and, and what's to come with it. Okay, uh, the next one is called Our Family and that's out in June. Uh, and then there's two more after that that are still in the pipeworks. Uh, that's... Uh, talks about you know, how family connectedness for um, Aboriginal people and how important it is to be connected to, to family and it's just something that we, um, we're really pushing for, for children to learn about because not all of our kids have grown up with an elder in their, in their uh, family so mm. more about um, getting them connected to family through, through pictures. Yeah, absolutely. And do you see, I suppose, your work with these um, children's books as just a, a, I suppose, an extension of your, um, as your as your journey as an educator? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because um, if you've got something to talk about and show, kids are, are more um, intrigued with something that you can talk to there and then on the spot and um, get them to uh, give you some feedback on how what they think of the book as well because that's really important mm. getting feedback from kids of how important the book is to them as well. Yeah I know that these books are aimed at kind of preschool age I believe. Can yes. Have you had an opportunity to um, I suppose read uh, any of the series to any young people? Not, uh, not at the moment because it's of the tricky. COVID-19 yeah. <laughs> lockdown. Yeah. Uh, I have sort of read over the um, through a, a video and, and and sent that off to a, a school and to a library for reconciliation week to to um, get out there to the kids. Yeah, well, that, that's close as I've got to. No, any kids, yeah. younger ones. Yeah, it's a bit tricky at the moment. Well, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm sure it's going to be um, a, a big hit. And, yeah, thank you so much for, for your time um, this afternoon. It's been lovely chatting to you. And to you too, Beth. Thank you very much. We were just chatting there with Auntie Faye Muir, uh, a writer and educator and a Boonwurrung elder, um, really passionate about sharing First Nations culture and stories. And we were just chatting there about... 
uh, these really beautiful um, picture books that have just been created. They're out now through um, Magabala. We were talking about Respect, which is the first book in the series of Our Place. Uh, if you are looking for some books for some young people in your life, uh, I definitely recommend um, checking this one out and yeah, check out the Magabala website. This is Beth AQ. Thanks for listening to the podcast of The Glass House, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R each Wednesday. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via Twitter at Bethany AQ or the Triple R website, 